Okay, for our first message today, be brought to us by Mr. Reg Noland. It is entitled, Sympathetic Resonance. Bravo, Sean, you got it right. Okay. I sing the wondrous uh, works of God, the song we just sang, amazing stuff. If, especially if you think about the God that created the universe had to design it with all the details, where all the pieces work together. Uh, and there are like 19 different constants in the, in the universe that had to work together. All the laws had to work together, had to plan everything in advance so he knows the end from the beginning. The miracles of God then may appear uh, somewhat mysterious to us, almost like supernatural magic, but it's not. The, rather, the miracles work within the laws of the universe that our God designed, created, and sustained, whereas magic, magic requires a temporary suspension of the natural law at the caprice of the magic pra practitioner. As our knowledge of the laws of the universe increase, our understanding of the mechanics of some of God's miracles grows. However, our understanding of the miracles, I'll do it this way, our understanding of the miracles does not lessen their awesomeness. Let us consider, for example, the fall of the walls of Jericho. This is in Joshua 6. We're going to read chapter 6 out of Joshua. Okay? Um, now, Jericho was securely shut up. Because of the children of Israel, none went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go into all, around, all around the city once. This you shall do for six days. And the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it came to pass, when they made a long blast of the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, and then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priests uh, and said to them, Take up the ark. Okay, take up the ark, and then let the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city, and let him uh, who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. By the way, there were 40,000 men that were marching around uh, this city. I don't know. I don't know. I'll move this down a bit. Maybe that'll help. Proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and they blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after 
uh, the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout or make any noise of your voice nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, and then you shall shout. And he said, and so he had the ark of the Lord's circle of the city going around at once. And they came to the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram horns before the Lord uh, went on continually and blew the trumpets. And the armed men went before them. And the rear guard came after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to camp. So they did for six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. But on that day they marched around, yeah, on that day only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets and Joshua said for the people to shout for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, and it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are in her house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. <coughs> and you, by all means, abstain from the cursed things, lest you become accursed when you take them when you take of the accursed things, and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and irons are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasure of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpet. And it happened when the priest heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat, flat as a pancake. Um, and, they, and the people went up to the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkey with the edge of the sword. But Joshua said to the two men who spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and uh, from there bring out the woman and all that she has as she swore to her. And the, two, and the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all the relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasure of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had, she who dwells in Israel to this day, because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent out to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and build this city Jericho. He laid his foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up the gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and fame spread throughout the country. As a matter of fact, his fame spread so broadly that in many cases he really didn't have to fight against the, the, the cities there. They willingly turned to, uh, surrendered and said, okay, we, we, don't, we don't fight. We don't want to fight at all. They made treaties with him and said. At first re reading, though, the collapse of a great wall city such as Jericho may seem like magic, but it's not. Rather... It is an event within the bounds of physics and obedient to natural laws, but it's no less miraculous for that. 
This event involves a phenomenon uh, called sympathetic resonance, specifically mechanical resonance, but we'll get into that later. So let me explain what sympathetic resonance is, since this was a foreign term to most people that I found out this morning. Okay, every substance has a natural resonance frequency of vibration. Did you know everything vibrates? Even the cells in your body vibrate, okay? Um, if an object vibrates at a resonant frequency of the composite material for a sustained period of time, then it may become unstable, perhaps unstable enough to explode. This is the same principle that allows anyone, anyone, to shatter a crystal glass just by singing the right note at the right volume for the right length of time. Brian, if you would, please uh, show us the first video. that was in the glass was did you notice how it was vibrating around like that that was indicating the vibration frequency of the glass so he could tell when he hit the right note by how fast the straw was vibrating okay and this is not an opera singer or anything of that nature this is just a guy on the internet okay so anyone can shatter a crystal glass if you thump it first to get the right frequency and then sing that frequency to the glass isn't that amazing? Okay, and if you see it in slow motion with a strobe light, then you see the glass. The, the glass is actually wobbling like this, wow, 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 until it can no longer sustain its integrity, and it just shatters. Why does that work? Well, that, that works because of sympathetic resonance. Um, it is the same principle that can raise the buildings to the ground during an earthquake. It's not the shaking. That causes the buildings to fall. It is the resonance that causes it to fall. Um, same principle that can raise buildings to the ground during an earthquake or crack glass windows during a sonic boom. Less violent uh, illustrations include uh, the overtones produced in music by string instruments. After the strumming or bowing has stopped, you, you still hear the, the, the instrument humming. And that humming, that, that ov the overtones that are produced there as part of the sympathetic resonance. This such a phenomenon does not require great volume or force. Rather, it requires only um, to, to match the natural vibration of the object. For this reason, engineers must account for wind shear in the construction of bridges, lest the wind blowing at the right resonant speed can cause the, the bridge to gallop and eventually collapse, as it did in the Tacoma Narrows Bridge disaster of 1940. Brian? What's this? You'll never want to cross a bridge again. <laughs>
down the center line. you see how elastic that thing seemed to be? Flop, flopping around? They call it a galloping gurney. And that's the result. <clears throat> Please note that this was not the force of the wind that brought about the downfall of this bridge. The force was less than that of an F1 tor tornado. Rather, it was the speed of the wind that caused the disaster. The speed was just the right speed to match the resonant frequency of the bridge of the materials in the bridge, causing it to vibrate with an amplitude sufficient to destroy the structure. For this same reason, the British Army instituted a policy that soldiers must break cadence or break stride when crossing a bridge um, like uh, following the Broughton, uh, Broughton uh, Suspension Bridge. Uh, here's a quotation. 
On the 12th of April, 1831, the 60th Rifle Corps carried out an exercise on uh, Kersal Moor under the command of Lieutenant Percy Slingsby Fitzgerald, the son of John Fitzgerald, member of the Parliament and brother of the poet Edward Fitzgerald. As a detachment of 74 men returned to the barracks in uh, Southford by way of the bridge, the soldiers who were marching four abreast felt it begin to vibrate with their footsteps. Finding this vibration a pleasant sensation, some of them started to whistle a marching tune. Um, and to humor it by the uh, manner in which they stepped. So they marched in time with the, the whistling of the tune and things of this. Uh, okay, which caused the bridge to vibrate even more. The head of the column had almost reached the Pendleton side when they heard something that re uh, resembling uh, an irregular discharge of firearms. Immediately, one of the iron columns supporting the suspension chain on the Broughton side of the river fell toward the bridge, carrying with it a large stone from the pier to which it had been bolted. The corner of the bridge, no longer supported, then fell 16 to 18 feet into the, the river, throwing about 40 of the soldiers into the water or against the change. The river was low and the water was only about two feet deep at that point, and so none of the men were killed but uh, 20 were injured, including six who suffered injuries, including broken arms and legs, severe bruising and contusion to the head. <clears throat> okay, so this happened just because the soldiers were walking four breaths and they're walking in step, 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 step. The French followed suit when the bridge at Angiers, France collapsed on 16th of April, 1850, while a battalion of French soldiers was marching across it, killing 200 of them. For this reason, the Millennial Bridge across the Thames uh, was closed after its wobbling start on the opening day at the, 2000, at the turn of the millennium. A mere two persons walking abreast in stride is sufficient to make a suspension bridge oscillate severely. Okay, uh, footsteps bridge. <coughs> Sympathetic resonance is a very powerful tool. Okay. Even cats, you, you everyone knows that. Have you ever watched a cat walk? It's very, the cat is very rhythmic, very, 
Uh, cats pose threats to bridges and skywalks because their prance is so rhythmic, so regular, they could actually trigger a sympathetic resonance in the walkway. Cats are not allowed on, on the walkways and, and skyscrapers. Okay, back to the Battle of Jericho. Imagine, if you will, the Israelite army of at least 40,000 troops, that's from Joshua 4.13, rhythmically marching around the city of Jericho in cadence, once each day at the same time of day, each for six days. And in so doing, the Israelites were effectively tuning the wall to the resonant frequency of their cadence. The walls, made of mud brick on stone foundation, were about 10 to 25 feet wide and perhaps 30 feet high, according to the IVP BBC. Uh, such marching would have in in induced a resonant frequency in the stones in the wall, particularly if the stones were made of granite and contained quartz crystals. So quartz crystals are specifically susceptible to sympathetic resonance. On the seventh day, the army circumnavigated the city seven times in silence. That's important. No distracting, no inner noise, no interference. It was just that steady tramp, 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 all the way around the city. Seven times. 40,000 troops. Seven times around the city. Can you imagine what kind of noise that made? Can you imagine what the vibration was? Okay, um, on the seventh day, the army circumvented this, the city seven times in silence. So only the, the only vibration was their steady, regular footfall. And if, with each circuit, the amplitude of the resonant frequency wave increased. So that by the end of the seventh trek around the city, there was a whole lot of shaking going on. As the trumpet blast and shouts that brought down the wall, brought the uh, walls to the point of fatigue and they collapsed from within. Does it lessen the miraculous nature of this event for us to know how it happened? Not in the least. It's not at all. Now, it's still a miracle to establish that cadence, to tune the walls to the right frequency, and then to maintain that cadence to destroy the wall. For me, knowing how and why it happened removes it from the world of myth and places it firmly within the world of possibility, making it more believable, not less making it more believable. Now, you might say then, <clears throat> this explanation resonates with me. Okay. Uh, is sympathetic resonance inherently destructive? Mm, yes and no. If we channel the destructive, um, destructivity of sympathetic resonance to destroy something bad, then we have an overall net positive effect. Such is the case with modern medicine. Today, doctors are actually using sympathetic resonance as a treatment for cancer. They find the resonant frequency of the cancer cells and then subject them to sound waves at the same frequency. Now, the, the cancer cells and the normal cells don't have the same frequency. So only the cancer cells get affected. Hmm, is it that interesting? Okay, cancer cells are then destroyed. They actually explode from within and are passed out uh, through the blood with non-invasive techniques without damaging the other cells, which do not have the same resonant frequency. 
Similarly, doctors are using resonant frequencies and ellipsoid projectors uh, shaped like, somewhat like an American football to um, shatter gallstones or kidney stones uh, non-intrusively in what's called ultrasonic extracorporeal shockwave lithotripacy. The, um, try saying that fast. Um, the ellipsoid projector is really like half of a metal ellipsoid. An ellipsoid is basically an American football. So if you can imagine half of an American football looking like this, and that's the metal portion of the ellipsoid, and it has a, um, it has a generator, a shockwave generator, at a focus point inside that ellipsoid. They have a bladder, uh, um, a flexible bladder uh, filled with um, uh, fluids uh, uh, attached to this, and they push this right up against the, the patient's um, side, and then put the other focal point that you have used by either ultrasound or by x-ray, they man manipulate the machine so that the other focal point is right at the kidney stone. Then you turn on the shockwave generator. Brian, let's show you some pictures of what these look like. You got two pictures here. This is the machine itself, and there's a patient uh, laying on the machine. So you see it's non-invasive. It's non-invasive. Okay, but because all the energy it generated from the shockwave, it bounces off the, the, um, the sides of the, the projector and becomes focused right on the kidney stone. It shatters the kidney stone into fine sand, and the only mm, discomfort is that for the next two days you're peeing sand, but you know, otherwise it's, that's it. Okay, um, let's see. The ellipsoid projector is really half of a metal ellipsoid with a sound generator at one focal point. The metal part is attached to a bladder with a medium of the same density as human flesh, usually a saline solution, which is pressed against the patient's side so the kidney or gallstone is positioned at the second focal point. When the sound generator is activated, the sound wave bounces off the second focal point due to the mathematical properties of the ellipse. The kidney or gallstone is shattered into a fine sand, which passes out through the urine. The procedure requires no anesthesia, and by the way, anesthesia is the major cause of death in, during an operation. Okay, it requires no anesthesia. It requires no cutting on the patient at all. It's completely non-invasive, and, and you, the, the time of the treatment is one hour. How long are you in surgery? Three, four hours at least. Okay, so one hour. Another, uh, okay, let's do another. Another positive use of sympathetic resonance occurs in music. On stringed instruments, for example, the vibrating strings produce a sympathetic vibration at the third, fourth, and fifth and octave intervals in the sound box after the strumming or bowing has it stopped. The sympathetic resonance produces the rich overtones of the instrument that adds to the beauty of the performance. Now, at the risk of <clears throat> being mistaken for our resident Aussie, um, Ian Houghton, I'm going to do a demonstration. Okay? There's two sounding boxes is what these are. Okay. And I have tuning forks. These are tuned to the platonic. So I'm going to place the 
tuning forks in here, like this. I will strike one of them. You hear the tone? Barely hear because these are rather quiet. I stopped this one, and you can still hear the tone from this one. Because what has happened is the vibrations from this tuning fork set the box and the air column inside it vibrating. Then that air column vibrating, because this is open here, sets the air column in this one vibrating. And that in turn vibrates the tuning fork and sets the whole thing in motion again. That's called sympathetic resonance. It, it, this one is picking up a sympathetic resonance from this one because as it's passed through the air column. Amazing. To me, that's amazing. But Okay. I'm in teacher mode today, in case you can't tell. All right. Striking the tuning fork on the left makes it vibrate at its tuned frequency which in turn makes the sound box vibrate at that same frequency, produces a sound loud enough for us to hear. At that point, the entire column of air inside the box is vibrating at that frequency. The right side of the box is open, so the surrounding air is vibrating as well. On the right is the second sounding box with an identical tuning fork, which I turn... Uh, which, when I turn the open ends toward each other, the air in the right tuning Right-hand box vibrates at the same frequency as the air in the left-hand box, transferring the vibration frequency to the box and the tuning fork uh, so that the tuning fork on the right now hums at the same pitch even after I dampen the, the, the tuning fork on the left. Sympathetic resonance this is, and it works only because the two tuning forks are tuned to the same pitch. Okay, now... Let's draw a parable, if you will, from my two tuning forks and the sympathetic resonance that exists between them. The second tuning fork is like the first in kind. Same material, same size, same shape, tuned to the same pitch. It is the very image of the first, but it is distinct from the first. Because of their similarity in kind, the second fork is receptive to the vibrations of the first and will begin to emit the same sound after being exposed to those vibrations for a while. By analogy, the first box, the original, is like Christ. And we are like the second box. Genesis 1 affirms that the uh, human beings were created in the image of God. Genesis 1, uh, 27. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Just as the first box emits a pure tone, Christ projects a pure spirit toward us. If we continue under the influence of Christ, then the spirit of Christ will grow in us until we resonate with that spirit of Christ and become transformed into the image of the Son. We've got several scriptures that refer to it. Paul uh, likes to use visual imagery. I'm using sound imagery here. But Romans 8, 29 says, For he, whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among many children. And 
uh, Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. And uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as a, in a mirror in the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as, just as by the Spirit of the God. We are experiencing sympathetic resonance on a spiritual level. That's what's going on. We are experiencing sympathetic resonance on a spiritual level as we bring our lives more and more in harmony with that of Christ, although that may take a lifetime to complete. Eventually, perhaps, we will tune our hearts to God's frequency. However, the Jesus frequency is not the only vibration in the world to which we are subjected. Rather, there are dissonant frequencies surrounding us that interfere with our help, our developing a pure tongue. These dissonant frequencies are controlled by the God of this world, by the prince of the power of the airwaves. Second Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 warn us of that. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the mind of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Not only has it blinded them, it has also deafened them. They can't hear it either. Ephesians 2, 1 and 3. And he made you alive. King, Version, King James Version says quickened, uh, and it carries a sense of vibration or moving. Um, he made you alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. It's the vibrations in the air. And the spirit who now works in the children of disobedience, among whom we, we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the others. This noise, and that's what it is, this noise that permeates the airways and is generated by the prince of the power of the air, by the god of this world, is loud. It is very loud. And it deafens us often to the pure tonic. It takes the form of the ubiquitous works of the flesh. Galatians 5, 19-21 identifies those. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I've told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. The works of the flesh do not produce harmony, but produce discord which may be either internal or external. External discord we know about. Uh, that's, uh, that's a fight, a squabble, an argument. Psychologists call internal discord cognitive dissonance. That's the term that are used. Cognitive dissonance, which happens when we try to hold two or more conflicting attitudes, values, ideas, or beliefs simultaneously. Cognitive dissonance causes us not to be at peace with ourselves, but in conflict. We become our own worst enemy. Um, 
I'm running out. Uh, one of the most common forms of cognitive dissonance is believing a lie. We know the truth, but we try to maintain the lie and consequently create dissonance. A truthful man is at peace. A truthful man is at peace. Whereas habitual liars are often paranoid, constantly afraid that somebody's going to discover their lies. To help us guard against such dissonance, I would suggest a modern addition to the armor of God that's described in Ephesians 6. And that addition is a pair of noise-canceling headphones. Okay? But, but perhaps they were already installed on the helmet of salvation. Um, Okay, Ephesians 6, 11, and 12. I'm only read two verses. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against ruler of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. If we regularly and willingly subject ourselves to such negative vibrations, then our lives will not be peaceful and harmonious, but will be chaotic and irritating. Further, that negativity may induce a sympathetic resonance attuned not to Christ, but to wicked things. So that we may become, we, we may begin to even to emanate negative vibrations of hatred and dishonesty so that we become microtransmitters of a greater evil. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus liked, likened it to a light of darkness. Now normally we think of darkness as the absence of light. As the absence of light. But here, Jesus seems to paint e the evil heart as a light of darkness. A light of darkness. Huh. What is that? A light of darkness. As if the darkness emanates from the source. Wow. It's like spreading darkness. Not the absence of light, but spreading darkness. Okay, Matthew 6, 22 and 23. The light, the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye is sound, your whole body should be full of light. But if your eye is evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now I ask the question, what sympathetic resonance comes from you? To whom or to what are you attuned?